that one of the best desserts that you can have, not necessarily my favorite, but one of the best desserts you can have is like apple crumble, but without the actual apple bit. So literally just the crumble. <laughs> just, just biscuit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, 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 hear me out. So, <laughs> you're laughing at me like I'm crazy, but I know where the people back this. So you, next year I'm going to release a dessert, apple crumble without the apple, just that crumble, apple crumble. Have loose change, bitch. I got some loose change. Hi, I'm Niaz, I'm one half of Millennial Money UK. I'm Shaq, the other half of Millennial Money. And I'm Timmy, aka Mr. Money Jar. And welcome to the Loose Change Podcast. So one thing that I saw this week that I thought was really interesting was Atom Bank, um, who are like a smallish bank in the UK. They've announced that they're going to be trialling a four-day working week. Um, so obviously no longer working five days, but not only that, but they're not changing the employees salaries so that's mad gonna yeah. get the Very same amount of money for what 20 percent less uh work what'd yeah you, what'd you just, well i think is it 20 percent less work though so i think it's it's been a long time coming and particularly don't you think over like the pandemic and everything people have gained a lot more trust like could you imagine i like, even were well, just over two years ago pe- there's loads of people that just or loads of companies that weren't trusting their employees to even work remotely um, and I think that has sort of set a, a wave of change. And I think that people will inevitably fit the amount of week work that they would have done in a week into those four days or just be more productive within those four days. I think arguably, if you're doing the same amount of work that you'd normally do in five days and four days, then you're actually being 20% more efficient. Yeah, that's, a, that's another way to look at it. Yeah, I think that is actually a name for what you just described where you... The, the amount of time that you take to do a task, you do it in the time that you have available to you. So yeah. if you have three hours to do it, you're going to take three hours to do that task. But yeah, if you yeah. had half an hour, you'd actually manage to make it fit. Yeah, yeah that's um, Parkinson's law. Oh, nice, nice. See, yeah. you can always rely on Timmy to know this stuff. <laughs> Encyclopedia <laughs> knowledge, yeah. of knowledge. Um, but it's true because uh, th- I think there's like a, a, a metric of, it might be Parkinson's law that you're describing anyway, where the right amount of urgency means that you can get into a state of flow and actually get the task done. But if you have too much time, you'll just put it off and not prioritize it. Yeah, so it applies to time. Um, I, I actually um, use it when I think about money as well. Like if you have an amount of money to spend, then you'll you'll spend it. That's not because you're a bad person or because you, you lack control or anything. That's just of the human condition which is of course where we uh we save up front and, and then we spend the rest yeah honestly i could say so much about him before like we veer off with our with our minds yeah, um, yeah. just coming back to the actual point about working for i think it's really interesting and i think it's a bit overdue um but it's crazy that a lot of people will still see it as oh look you're going to be getting paid the same amount for doing 20 percent less work do you th- do you think that's what it actually is well, I imagine that your role title, the responsibilities, etc., are going to be the same. And the expectation is that you'd still need to get the same amount of work done. But then um, you will just need to be sort of cramming that work into an extra hour or an extra couple of hours each day. Like, mm-hmm. So I don't know about you, but I personally would rather work for an extra, what, hour and a half each day yeah. and get my Friday off. 100%. Because when you think about it, working five days to then have two days off is a bit crazy. It's we were literally just before we started recording talking about this where and I was I was actually speaking about this uh, with some friends at, um, at dinner like a week or two ago and they were they're having to be back in the office five days a week now okay and they were like oh, I get to my weekend and I spend a day 
cleaning up my dishes, well, cleaning up my laundry and like tidying my house. Um, and then it's Sunday and I'm having to gear myself up for work again and like just doing life admin. And th- I think the, the the weekend principle is being questioned for the first time in a very long time. Yeah, I actually used to work four days a week in the in the previous job job I did before I'm doing now. And um, there's two ways to play the four day work week. You can either do the fr- well two typical ways to play. You can do the Friday, so you get a three day weekend. But I actually switched to doing the Wednesday. Mm. Having a break in the middle of the week actually produced a better quality of life for me because it was kind of yeah. two Just days, like a then a weekend. break. Yeah, like a little treat, you know. <laughs> um, two days, then a break. And then, um, but it, it also helps because um, when I was off on the Friday, because not many people worked a four day week at the time, I was just kind of on my own. Mm. Um, so it was good to have that midweek um, kind of break. I'd be interested to hear how you guys would play if, if it was introduced in your company. So, uh, just before we answer, do you mind us asking like how you'd usually spend that Wednesday? Was that when you were doing Mr. Money Jar? Were you using it for Build, that primarily? Building Mr. Money Jar on the side, yeah. Okay. Uh, without that day off, I wouldn't have been able to, to do both, I think. And I met that company in the capacity as a as like a some with a side hustle mm-hmm. and as an entrepreneur already. So I, I was lucky they were very supportive. Yeah, I think, um, sorry, Shaq, just before we jump onto your point, I think, Timmy, you've mentioned this before. I think we're inherently very adaptable. Yeah. So given like a new like framework to work within the output won't necessarily be impacted and if someone's like well-being or happiness is improved they're probably going to do a lot better work exactly and um i was reading an article um just earlier on today about how the 48 hour weekend was introduced in the 1930s was was it can i just see if i'm right by the way okay was it henry ford that uh, it was one of the first organizations to to give it to his staff. Jeez, yeah. you see that, Shaq, Mister um, Knowledge. <laughs> so it's it's crazy that you know formerly, the model that we know of is less than a hundred years old. Yeah, you know, and it would have been a big ch- like before. It would would have just been Sunday that you had your day off, and then there would have been this big shift to having Saturdays off as well. Could you imagine having one day off a week, six it's days work? Go to church, man. Yeah, oh mad. and then. Because the concept of the Sabbath as well, right? Yeah. Where you, where there's a day that you don't work. But apparently back then it was like people were literally considered like machinery. Mm. And the well-being of like employees just did not matter at all. And then Henry Ford, he realized that if my... He was so smart. So the thinking behind it was if my workers have some time to have a life because if you're working seven days they were working like pretty much seven days a week yeah you go home you sleep you eat you come back you're working 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 to produce this stuff for me where are the people going to be that have enough leisure time to buy my products oh right do you, do you know what i mean i, w- I was literally going to say like what was his thinking behind it because you know down with capitalism all that <laughs> it was like yeah. quite an un- unusual concept for a, a boss of like a massive corporate yeah no, it like was obviously like, oh, it was actually going to reward them it was self yeah ultimately he was thinking about oh how can i yeah. actually yeah. and he and he changed he changed society so that that's that's when like the what we think of like the emerging middle class like came about basically where the suddenly you had some people who had some leisure time um where they could have a bit of disposable income beyond just like working to live basically um and spend their money on certain products and that's when this whole thing like boomed out of um, uh, my my original thinking would have been like um oh he wanted people to have an extra day off so they could 
go home and recuperate when they do work, they'd have more energy, but not even. It was so just appa- when they got <laughs> to buy my cars. Apparently, the, um, that was a byproduct of the well-being improving of, of his employees. So, but it obviously wasn't the main reason. Yeah. But it was a byproduct. And then he realized that people's productivity, because we're, we're human, we're not machinery, our productivity is improved when we are healthier and better, um, which largely comes down to our well-being as well. But that system of the weekend is, like you said to me, 100 years old. Less than, um, less than, or le- for, like for formerly. Yeah, so yeah. For, formerly less than 100 years old. And now, like, people are considering for the first time, like, hold on, the world that, we're the children and grandchildren of that generation that, yeah. that would work like that and that would require those weekends. But suddenly we have different demands on us through digitization and other things. Yeah. Um, and the way work is now that a weekend might not necessarily apply this. And why are we putting a 100-year-old like framework onto us when we're when we've completely digitized um the way we work for sure yeah, i think it's probably down to the fact that people are in general just really scared of any form of change mm. and also the association that working less hours or even working different hours would mean that you're like lazier or you're trying to avoid doing any work if, if you think about it if you think about the 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 typical working day, seven and a half hours, although many of us do way more than that. You're not working for the full seven and a half hours. Yeah, of course. Like in a focused sort of way. Yeah. So I've, I've got a bit of a funny anecdote, actually. So uh, a company that I used to work for, oh, HSBC, actually. Um, so when I was temping there, the job that I had to do. So when you logged in in the morning, um, there would come a timer would like pop up and then you had to select from a long list of tasks that you were doing. That is oh, really? So they were, and then when you finished doing that task, you had to input the number of items that you had done in that period. So they were literally counting your productivity for every single second of the day. If your lunch break went over an hour by one minute, they would, you'd need to put input a reason. If your like toilet breaks throughout the day went over, I think the total time you're allowed for toilet breaks <laughs> in the day was like 20 minutes. It's pretty crazy. Oh. It's pretty dystopian. Yeah, yeah. But it did kind of add like a, a fun, like competitive Game element fight, to it. Just yeah. be like, oh my God, how many can I do? Then it would have like an average uh, like number of items you can do. So I'd be there trying to beat it. But it's, it always it, meant, meant that it, I made loads of mistakes. It's mad though. Like, So you've just described something that I, f- I remember when you were working at HFBC. Um, that was what, six years ago? Yeah. Um, so within the t- like times that we've been working already, we've seen such massive cultural changes in the world of work um like i remember like my first job uh i had a i had a bit of stubble obviously i'm beard gang now baby um, <laughs> but um but i remember uh one of the managers looked at me and he gave me a razor and he said go and shave and what? Yeah, yeah genuinely he, he gave me a, he gave me a razor and said go and shave i was like okay and like it wasn't a thing to have facial hair just six years ago. Yeah. You, you say that about being six years ago, but I, a friend of mine, he, um, I'm not sure that the company he works for at the minute, but he's not allowed to have a beard. To be fair, I'm not sure he, he's actually capable of growing one, but <laughs> all men in their office aren't allowed to have beards. Can I just say that I feel very seen in this beard? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but in addition to that, like we were wearing suits and ties and, and like you, you had to wear a tie. Now, like you'd feel ridiculous wearing a tie unless you had a meeting to go to. But even then, like, You'd have to sort of know your audience a bit. And so much has changed. Um, I think part of it is like, someone described it as like, tech companies are becoming the new investment banks, like in terms of like, 
it's the new cool place to like it's the, it's the place that people want to go to and work and culturally it's shifting towards that as well like all the big clients are becoming tech companies well i i feel like companies are um they're becoming almost like nation states unto themselves you know um there's billions of, of facebook users um for example um if i think of uh, the company my, my wife works for there, there are more people who work for her company than live in iceland you know <laughs> um so they can kind of bring in po- and, and it's like global as well so yeah. they can bring in policies that affect the lives of millions and millions of people yeah. with one stroke of the pen it's a very interesting um dynamic shift i think it's one thing for one company so in this case atom bank to um introduce a four-day working week um but I, I would imagine that they would want to have it one way or the other. I would imagine there'd be a lot of discord if some people were working four days, some people working five days, and everyone was being paid the same. What do you guys so, think? So interestingly, I read that for the for the trial process at least, people are actually allowed to opt out of doing okay. the four-day week, which mm. seems a bit strange. Like, why would you voluntarily decide <laughs> that you want to actually work an extra day? But yeah, I think, like I said, some people are scared of change, aren't they? And maybe yeah. the perceptions that, that comes with that. But for me, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that you would need to have everyone working sort of the same same kind of uh, it, same kind of pattern. Whether it's four or five. Yeah. If, if you're really engaged, though, and I think this is what companies find, and you know when tech companies in- introduced um, that thing in Silicon Valley, which is like everyone does now, where it's unlimited holidays. Yeah. And then they actually did some research and realized that all the companies that had unlimited holidays, everyone took less holidays of than people course. who had mandated, like, let's say 25 days, 28 days, and everyone took way less. Um, And I think in the same way, like all of these perks, they have like an undercurrent of like, oh, what are we doing here? Is this a social experiment? Um, But also if people are really engaged with their work, they will just get it done and and work when they're technically might not be being paid. Um, I think you begin to uh, refer to your work more transactionally when you're just not that interested. Yeah. Um, and you always hear about like we have colleagues um, I have colleagues who um, have come back from maternity leave and are working part-time and having conversations with um, those female colleagues and friends that I have that have children they always say that yeah I I work part-time but I get just as much done as I did before I just cram it into three days yeah um, yeah it's, it's a bit of a utopian ideal but you know ideally we'd want everyone you know the people making our products and services to actually want to be doing that rather than just trying to clock in um particularly in like industries where when you're not engaged there's there's quite a lot at stake i'm thinking about like healthcare and yeah transport yeah. And, and that sort of thing i just i don't think anyone can deny the fact that people do a better job when they're happier of, like course. Driving. of course um and that i, I sort of like segue from there timmy um and let me know if this is too premature but um healthcare and like the public sector generally were the ones that are leading on what's now being dubbed the great resignation Mm. um in america especially so obviously we were two years ago we were like really fearful of um unemployment numbers and figures um and now it appears that there's there are lots of jobs available but (laughs) would you believe that people en masse currently since the spring of 2021 are just quitting their jobs. Um, and a lot of that is down to, on the, on the public sector front where it started and healthcare professionals is 
like throughout the pandemic people were sort of like hailing them as the heroes of like putting themselves at risk and and carrying on working whilst everyone else was pretty much at home and realized that every job could shut down everything as important as you thought you were all these sort of like financial institutions like uh, loads of law firms like uh, all these insurance companies all uh, like it was sector agnostic completely shut down and the people on the front lines we literally referred to them as our frontline heroes well, I was out clapping every week yeah bro <laughs> like it was it was it was the nurses and medical professionals but particularly the nurses who are extremely like underpaid um they were literally putting their lives on the line and then when everything was said and done it was like yeah cool carry on working as yeah, you were. It, it is it is sad it's like we've forgotten i wonder if it's like a societal um like problem that we have where if someone sells you know a will a, a million one pound hats then we're like yeah they, they deserve to make a million pounds but someone literally saves a human life mm. we're like yeah well done <laughs> and then we yeah, just start it's, clapping it's, it's like how, how do you value that it's mad and it wasn't so then so then what happened i'm sort of like remembering like the, the process of how it went um it, and then it was the service workers. So people who were literally in this new society that we're in where we're so used to convenience, next day delivery, which obviously started booming and like um, food delivery. Um, there were, there are, we forget that there's a human element to all of that. There is someone that has to be being exploited for us to be able to enjoy that convenience. And those people were the ones that realized that they're putting their lives on the line and are actually doing within our societies um, the essential work no one gives a shit about them like li literally no one gives a shit about them so they started off this thing of like how are employees going they can't just sell you the fact that oh yeah well at least you've got a job now people are like well i don't care i'm just gonna quit like I'm, i value my life so then that started off as things started opening up loads of people started quitting their jobs and that had a knock-on effect because they say it was like millennials obviously millennials being targeted first um just we don't care about the same being a lifer in a company or anything like that realizing that hold on i don't need to be slaving away like this like what value do i derive i'm constantly stressed i'm constantly switched on this career like this the status attached to this career isn't the same as what it was anymore i'm just gonna quit and there's loads of people so and another name for it is called the great quit where loads of people are quitting without a job to go to but they're like yeah i feel liberated and it's it's happening like across the board which is really interesting. And it's sort of like a, a strike or without the unions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, shout out them. I think it takes a lot of bravery or pre-planning to be able to quit your job without having anything to go to. But at the same time, if you are being severely undervalued and underappreciated, then then why not? 100%. Do you think part of it, though, is also like the realisation that, okay, like what is the true value of what I'm doing? And... Because when you're in the midst of something, you feel like it's the most important task ever, right? Um, whether it's a document that you're writing up, which most people outside of your company will never see. Um, and people are sort of just like, I'm literally missing so much for this. What's, what's, what really is the value of this, like, to me? And people are weighing it up properly and being like, okay, I'm gonna, I need to find a new way of sort of like adding value or like sort of finding value in things and, and, and I'm to myself and people are so people are dissociating a little bit from um, their self-worth being attached to the job that they do because that was a massive thing in the 80s 90s and noughties right it was like your your job pretty much defined who you were I mean even further back than that like 
the most common name in the UK is David Smith. I mean, Smith was a profession. That's yeah. literally, you were called your job. Yeah, that's mad. I didn't know that. That's very interesting. But it's it's crazy because so like culturally people associated so much with the job that they do um, and the careers that they that they have but things seem to be changing so significantly now um, that I think we're probably at the beginnings of like it feels like we're at the inflection point of like so much change all the time recently anyway but like it seems like there's going to be a big cultural change um, and I wonder where whether because the, the great resignation has been mirrored here a little bit but in America it's been drastic and I wonder whether here um, we're going to experience something um, fairly similar um, but obviously we have like way more employment protections in the UK and in Europe than they do in the States yeah but the numbers still still seem to be suggesting that loads of people are just like making like drastic career changes because they're just like well I don't have I don't want to waste my time anymore like to what end so do you think that the main drivers behind that then are people not being reimbursed correctly not having the correct kind of benefits or do you think it is just solely down to they don't find the work that they're doing fulfilling i wonder if our generation values just being paid a lot less um mm. living costs are really high um if you're working all hours under the sun what time are you yep. going to have to spend your money anyway yeah and um yeah i wonder if like the money like isn't even you, you've nudged something there in me and I, I remember listening to this podcast and I was listening to it as I was falling asleep. So, um, but but I'm, I'm sort of remembering parts of it. It's because now our money doesn't buy us the same things as it did in the past. That we were told. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. You so that's grades, it. Yeah. If you got the grades. No, no, not just that. that um, for example, for, for Ford, going back to Ford and his like employees um, working in manufacturing back then manufacturing a manufacturing job was enough back then to then it would mean that you'd be able to afford your own home um, for a family home and you might be able to save up to send your kids to college or university right um and that kind of started the whole thing like yeah you can do a steady eddy job and but the steady eddy job gives you your like basic needs and, and then a bit more and basic needs being like a comfortable home um obviously that's not necessarily how it's um defined like uh, across the board but it'll be a comfortable home um, shelter and like enough to sort of like go on a couple of holidays um, and for millennials now they're experiencing that they're way more qualified working sometimes like I'm not saying harder but like working like round the clock because you're always like quote unquote switched on um, because like we're working online um, but that same input doesn't deliver anywhere near the same output anymore because those same people who are like earning like x amount of money can't can't buy a home or th that pound doesn't buy the same amount of leisure and comfort that it used to buy. So then people are like, well, I'm not going to be able to attain that even if I work this much harder. So they're like, well, well, let me just be happy without it. Then. Yeah, no, uh, so this is uh, what I was um, going to say. I completely agree with that. I think, um, yeah, the millennial dream, as, as I like to call oh, yeah. it, is um, yeah, go, go to school, get good grades, get a good degree, get a good job, yeah. get married, have 2.4 yeah, yeah. children. Um, and that should all should all work as is and and like it clearly it clearly doesn't and I think it creates a despondency where and and, and sort of like a, a YOLO culture of mm. 
well, if I can't use this money to put down the deposit for a house, I may as well just spend it on the few things I can afford. Yeah. I can afford that do bring me joy, and do give me a respite from the day to day. Yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it. I think it's just the fact that we're just able to afford very different things. Um, and I think housing inflation, obviously, we always go on about it as like a hot topic and stuff, but it's so significant because across this is generation agnostic. Buying a home is probably the biggest purchase anyone makes. Yep. Um, and that big purchase is now so... Um, it's not unattainable. Obviously, we can do it. But it takes so much more from, like, the total of what we have. Um, and then it, it sort of signs us up, like, via mortgage or, or, or whatever um, for so long. Uh, and then takes so much of your future in that you're tied into paying that off. And um, that people are like, this is mental. This can't be my reason it's not it's not a good enough justification to um for me to put myself through um th- the misery or despair of of a job that I don't like obviously it's not for that's not the case for everyone because loads of people are very lucky enjoy their jobs and most of us like I know we do um but I think there's a there's a cultural switch coming coming what do we think I'm um, just um remaining on the kind of pay versus benefits conversation what do we think are some non financially related benefits that we think would resonate with people? I think obviously the four-day working week is a really enticing one. Yeah, The whole idea of sort of increasing your weekend by 50%, reducing your work week by 20%. So my employer, they had over COVID, um, we had something on Friday called wellbeing hours. Um, so from one o'clock onwards, that was your opportunity to get a bit of an early start on the weekend, um, whether that's like fulfilling a hobby or if there's some work that you didn't get a chance to complete during the week because of calls, you could do it then. Um, and that was just like a really great thing. And we were lucky enough to have that throughout COVID. And I thought that would be something really enticing to new employees as well. Unfortunately, it hasn't been made a permanent feature, but I can imagine that if there was a company that did have that sort of all year round, that can act as a really big plus. Like you can't really put a monetary value on your time, yeah. can you? Like if you, if your employer said to you, okay, you can have a four day week, but I'm gonna take off X amount of money from your salary. How much do you think you'd be willing to sacrifice to get that whole additional day back? Yeah, for sure. I think like active rest. I've, I'm realizing for the first time the importance of active rest. So I have this. Uh, so I'm not the right person to sort of seek advice on and stuff like this. I I think I regularly and routinely burn myself out, and then until my body forces itself to be like. No, mate, you need to, you need to chill. <laughs> yeah, you need to chill. Um, but like, so last weekend, I was like, I'm going to take a day. I'm, my phone is like put away. I'm just, and I literally cleaned the house, watered my plants. I did all my, like did all my life admin, like went for a solo brunch and I felt amazing by the end of it. And I was, just, I just needed that for, so like, I think that active rest time is really needed now because we're always kind of switched on. Like you saw me earlier um, or Shaq saw me earlier. I was just sort of like replying to a few emails and then I'm going to log back on after this and work into the evening. The The fact that you're always kind of switched on um, is very like taxing on your body and on your mind as well. Um, so having that extra day to just get normal stuff done, like it doesn't even have to, it doesn't, you don't have to do anything wild with it. Yeah, I the think life admin. Yeah, it's is, is huge recharge yeah. opportunity. I try and make that day for me, Saturday. It's just a day, it's a judgment-free day where I'm allowed to just be. 
Yeah. You know, if I want to, I, I really enjoy playing video games. If I just want to play video games all day, why not? You know? Yeah. Um, I don't want to moralize um, the four day and working week, but I think it is a really great step um, if Atom Bank is keeping s- people's salaries the same because that means that for longer term savings like pensions, you're not being penalized yeah. on your retirement pot for what is, in my opinion, working more efficiently. Like if you're hitting the same deliverables in less time yeah. and you're more engaged, yeah. then I don't see why your pension savings should be 20% less. Because that, yeah. Yep. 100% agree with you. And the point that it's tackling is, do you guys know what presenteeism is? Yes. So presenteeism is, is I think, what the city of London and probably worse in like places like New York and, and, and California um, is where there was an expectation that you would show up and like look busy. And you, I, we've all experienced it before where I remember, I remember <laughs> in one of my first jobs, I used to like stay there um, until seven. And I had nothing to do. And we'd ha- we just have to all like smile and nod. And Is it waiting for your, your yeah, boss to yeah. leave? Yeah, and th- the whole office was just waiting for the partner to leave. And then as soon as he left, within five minutes, everyone would get up and walk out. Damn. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous, but I think that's a really common thing. I've, all, I've heard so many stories about, about people doing that. But I really hope that the trial that Atom are doing is successful and other... Yeah big well-known companies start to take it up because that's all it takes just one or two of these big companies to implement this and then all of a sudden it becomes the norm but i do think that in 50 years time like in our lifetimes we will look back and think oh my god we had to work five days a week yeah yeah. be in the office every day as well well if you think about even now like the 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 concept of being in the office five days a week now seems alien to us right and just two years ago most people were doing that um including like loads of our friends like they the, the concept working from home was a novelty and now it's like oh even your managers are like i need to go home and just finish my work because i'm going to get more work done at home yeah and the people that do now have to go into the office they're seen i guess being a bit more of the minority and yeah certain industries that are trying to keep alive the, the whole because that is part of the, t- the 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 exhausting element of being at work if you remember what it was like before is like if you don't have anything to do if you finished your work if you, because of all the cultural like, oh my God, I must look busy and productive, otherwise I might not get promoted. Like, all of that bullshit, or he's going to think X about me, or like, all the office politics. If we're doing away with that, I think if people can lose the veil of being at work. So, I used to, what did we always used to call it? Um, like, your work voice and your work personality, which, yeah. uh, obviously, like, we, we, make, we make fun of, right? Like, um, and then around your friends or when, as soon as you come home, suddenly like your voice changes. and like, you're, <laughs> yeah. But like that veil that um, you carry with you into work, part of that, obviously it's comical at the, just like the, the way we speak is, is a comical like surface level element of it. But w- once you, uh, well, part of that veil is the fact that you're having to look busy and you're having to smile at rubbish jokes and like you're having to like people and you're obviously you, you, you be polite and you're sort of like, but you're, but you're having to like smile yourself through certain painful scenarios at work, which has nothing to do with the actual output of your work. Um, and all of that is exhausting. And if we do away with all of that, which adds to the presenteeism and all of that, I think people will just naturally become more productive because their energy is focused in, let me get this done so then I can start my weekend. Yeah, um, actually doing a good job as well without exactly. all of those extras. Yeah. In terms of um, benefits... Um, I'm 
speaking with and still learning from um, women about their experience um, going to work um, when they have uh, plans to start a family. Yeah. And I've had quite a lot of conversations with women who are our age, who are basically working for, like, they're working for their companies because they want to work for the company, but there's, like, a significant percentage of the reason why they're there is because of the maternity, paternity yeah. policy. Oh, man. And it's like, yeah, if I work here for this long, yeah. then I can have a baby at this time, and then I'll be covered by that. And uh, it would be really interesting to speak to someone on the show about that, firstly. But yeah, also, as a man, it's just not something that is my default thing to, to consider, think about. to even think about, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess there's such a big difference in what women have available to them. You have some companies where they're offering the statutory maternity pay and then perhaps, you know, two, four, six weeks. And then other companies that are offering up to years maternity leave. Yeah. So it's really interesting when you frame that question, Timmy, around the, the financial benefits and I guess the, the softer benefits. But ultimately, I think all benefits come down to either being financial or additional time. So I guess maternity leave is sort of a combination yeah. of the two, but you're getting your additional time. Then if yeah. you take something like working week, obviously that's time. If you look at benefit like getting free breakfast and lunch, ultimately that's that's financial and time. You know, you don't have to worry about making your breakfast or your lunch and you're yeah. saving money on those purchases. I think there's maybe, or maybe you might class this um, type of benefit as a financial one, but... Um, I I rather like companies that invest in their pe in their people as people and provide training and, and learning opportunities. Yeah. Um I used to work for a company where there was just a, a learning and development budget that you could yeah. um, spend on whatever you wanted. And afterwards they changed it to you could spend it on learning and development that will help you in this job. <laughs> but you could still you could still, you know, like buy books and be like, Yeah, you know, I'm reading. Yeah. <laughs> like reading's good for you. But I, I, I think, you know, time, financial and then like knowledge. And yeah, I guess that I kind of would classify that as financial because a lot of these courses can be really expensive yeah, and sure. some of these yeah. hobbies. But at the same time, would people be doing that if they weren't encouraged by their employers? So yeah. I guess there there is both elements they they add to that now as well with like health um health yes. and well-being and yes. stuff as health well so i think a lot like um at my workplace uh, they contribute towards your gym they subsidize your gym memberships um or if you don't go to the gym they have a budget where you can use it to buy a, a well-being product it could be anything loads of people have bought pillows and alarm clocks and stuff yeah i i uh, i can't remember who it was but I, I knew someone who worked for a company where they got a bike loan yeah, I th yeah, I think everyone. Yeah, I think that's quite uh, like a cycle to work scheme. That's quite yeah. a popular one. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, but my work do a similar thing with like a wellbeing budget, and they were they did a like a, a call to explain the sort of things you could buy, and over COVID, people are coming up with all sorts of reasons for for different things. <laughs> so people get away with like getting trainers and say, oh, they're like for, <laughs> for running. running. AirPods, I listen to <laughs> when I'm when I'm running. Nice Yeezys. Yeah, people <laughs> like try to claim like PS5s and stuff. No but I think way. they drew the line. Like that. That's jokes. That people do just try it though, don't they? As soon as you give them certain benefits. The that reminded me though, I think what we fundamentally have found is because of work, and it's not a bad thing because work is an important part of I think as we've discussed Very. discussed before of like just being like like as humans we need some sort of purpose as well. Um but there's also another point is to there's a case for not it's, it's not a bad thing if you use work as utility. But ultimately, um, 
work makes us all time poor. So anything that um, gives us convenience back or, or makes something easier, whether it's um, like just general life tasks that we have to do. I know when we, none of us are, but when we become parents, a big thing is like um, contrib- contributions towards childcare um, is a big benefit as well with work. But um, for, for something that applies to everyone is, that, is the fact that we're quite time poor. So with the new way of working, I feel like people, as soon as th- they're wealthy enough to buy things that save them a lot of time, um, the example that was used on a podcast I listened recently uh, was actually about relationships. Um, and they were saying that, um, <laughs> this, this is so ridiculous and um, funny, they were saying that uh, couples which had a weekly cleaner and got lots of takeaway, not necessarily unhealthy takeaway, um, and obviously got back the time from not having to cook and not having to clean, um, generally were much happier and less likely to get divorced because they were then able to give that time that they had spare like towards themselves because they're not focused in on like, oh my God, I'm having to cook and then you're not appreciating that I'm cooking and I'm, and I'm cleaning or, um, or I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like taking care of this. Element. When that is sort of like taken away from them and um, that time given back to them, they were generally happier in relationships. Yeah, and I think that's why you've seen such a big rise in companies that do pretty like standard things, but what they're giving back to you is time. So if you look at companies like Gusto and mm. HelloFresh, they're providing at a very high price just raw ingredients and some recipes, yeah. which ultimately if we you know, wanted to take the time to do, we could do ourselves, but they're just making it a lot easier for you. You don't have to think about what you're going to cook. You don't have to look up yeah. the recipe. You literally get home, all the ingredients are pre-prepared for you, you whack it all in the pan, so you feel like you're still cooking, but yeah. you've saved yourself a good few hours. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And I think because obviously the one thing that we can't buy back is time, and not to get really moralistic again um, uh, on us all, but you can't buy back your time. So if either either companies are sort of profiting on the fact that they can market convenience to you in some way, if you think about like, some of the biggest companies in the world now, like like Uber, yeah. um, uh, it they is... You can all, never get one these days. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But also like food delivery companies like Deliveroo, Uber Eats. Um, and now the... This is crazy. I've not used it yet. I know you have. Uh, get here and like all of this. I've, I've never actually used Have you not that. used it? No, your my, your, my your flat does. It, yeah. yeah, I've never actually used it. Um, I wanted to try it, but whenever I go on the thing, I want to buy it's never there. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But, but all of that is like normalizing a level of convenience that people never had before. Um, but they, these companies are becoming incredibly successful and making tons of money, not necessarily finding like a, an amazing new solution for people. They're literally uh, allowing or like affording people more time and convenience. And ultimately, and taking this all the way back, um, <laughs> is um, ultimately, I think the thing that all of us value the most is our own time. And the best perk that anyone can fundamentally give you is the ability to guilt-free have some of that time back. And ultimately, the weekend when it first came in, not the singer, he's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the, the weekend uh, when it first came in, the five-day work week, they gave you back, they rewarded you back two days of your own time to do with it what you will. So adding to that now and giving an extra whole day back, like Shaq, you said, a 50% increase on your weekend, I think is a huge change that is going to benefit society ultimately. Can you imagine how gassed they would have been back in the day when they got told that they were getting double, <laughs> double the days off? Jeez. That's mad, isn't it? 
Maybe we have it too easy. Um, so I, I did. I did want to ask. Um, there's a stand-up comedian called Ronnie Cheng, and he has a bit which I absolutely love, where he's talking about Amazon Prime, and he's talking about how just easy life is. You can just be in your house and be like, "I want one pen," and then like it will arrive <laughs> by the next day. And then he's like, "Yeah, you know, what? Where do we go from here? Like, how much more yeah. convenience do we want? Maybe we need Prime before, like, <laughs> where they send you." what you want before you know that you want it. Um, but there's a really interesting point that he touches upon in that bit, where it's like, do we feel we're losing anything with all this convenience? Or is this just the natural progression of society? Um, technologies become better, things be become more efficient, and we, ha you know, we end up spending less time doing things. Uh, for example... Um, there would have been a period of time where if you wanted to eat, you'd have to go out and hunt. Mm. Don't know many people who can hunt, but it seems to be Joe fine. Rogan, Joe Rogan can hunt. Joe Rogan. Yeah, shout yeah. out. Yeah, shout out Joe Rogan. Um, but although he's a questionable figure. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, there are societies past who would look at us and be like, wow, like these people can't even like feed themselves. They need to go to the mm. supermarket. But for us, it's fine because that's how society is set up. So do we think we're losing anything with all this convenience? I think that, there can be seen to be a very fine line between convenience and sort of getting your own time back and then laziness. Yeah. With yeah. a lot of these things where, you know, at what point is it okay to order something from the shop when it's literally a hundred yards down the road? Yeah. Um, one thing that always springs to mind is like pre-diced onions. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> is that taking things too far? I know there will be people who perhaps don't have the capabilities to be able to, to chop onions themselves, but yeah. for able-bodied people who are, buying those and saving themselves the you know the whole minute is that is that taking things too far um full disclosure i have bought a pack of those before but i was very time poor at the time but i i do agree like again i think people if you market convenience to people like they'll just be like oh i'm just gonna go for it um but in in a more serious note like timmy what we're i think the handoff has been our planet um, because through this convenience and all of these companies, like, so we, well, this is, I think, the tagline from Shaq that I always repurpose is that um, if we normally talk about billionaires when we say this, is it's normally either the exploitation of people or resources or both. Um, and I think this level of convenience, uh, the expense has been our planet. And just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Sure. Right? Like, think about how big Amazon is worldwide. And think about how many next day deliveries come in those cardboard boxes where you ordered a pen and it's the box the size of, I don't know, it's massive. Yeah. Um, and that's just one small example. And then you think about the warehouses, you think about like... The um, disposal of um, un unbought items yeah, or returned yeah. items, yeah. And, and not just in Amazon's instance, the exploitation of resources as well. Obviously, that's a, a big thing. But like you said, the exploitation of people infamously Amazon warehouse workers are in terrible conditions. They've been given ridiculously high targets to meet, which they, they can barely do. You know, it's got to the point where people are having to go to the toilet in bottles and in boxes just because... Is that you at HSBC? <laughs> <laughs> they're too worried about um, taking off five minutes to go to the toilet. So, yeah, I completely agree. There goes the HSBC sponsorship opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they've changed, you know, it's been, it's been quite a while. Yeah, no, I, I entirely agree, though. And, 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 I, and I do think what's happened now is with a lot of these things, and you use the hunting example, um, with a lot of the things within the human experience, 
we've grown a lot of distance to it. Um, and I think it is a little bit damaging in some sense because uh, like loads of people who eat meat, for example, if they actually, I eat meat, so I'm, 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 I'm a perfect case for this, but I'd, I'd say I'm probably fairly comfortable because I'm aware of like the process and everything. But there's a lot of people that eat meat that if they were actually to see how the meat that they're eating is reared. They'd be straight vegan. 100%. Yeah. 100%. These people, like loads of people are really squeamish. Yeah. But what, what is it that you think you're eating? Like this thing was like a, a, an animal uh, that had to be slaughtered. Uh, and then the slaughtering of the animal isn't the end of it. Like that, that has to be produced um, into food. And there's no way of sugarcoating that experience unless that's part of the recipe. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, people, there's a lot of distance between um, us and like fundamental elements of the human experience from eating um, all, all the way through to death. Like we're, we're just very distanced from it now. Yeah, and you know, I, I would have to concede that if it was a toss, assuming I have like the skill to slaughter an animal, mm. if it was a toss up between slaughtering an animal and, um, or like eating a meat free burger, I would just eat the meat free burger. Absolutely. I'm, I'm one of those like, people. Like, imagine slaughtering an animal with your bare hands. Like, <laughs> you're not going to be able to do yeah. that. Um, or you might, but yeah, it's insane. Yeah. And that, I, that I think is have one. You, have you ever seen it? In real life, I had no. I've, I have. I've, I've watched documentaries. Actually, I, I don't talk about this much in in public. But um, I, at uni, I was a vegan for for three years. Oh, really? I watched a few documentaries, and I was like, "This is like really, yeah. This is really, really bad." Um, and I I did it really badly. So <laughs> um, I lost a lot of weight, and oh, really? I um, I cut I cut myself. I cut my finger. I'm in the shower one day, and it like didn't heal for two weeks. Really? And then I was like, okay. I said I would do this if I can do it healthily. Yeah. And then I had to reintroduce um, like more food groups back into my diet. Were you just having like chips and mash for dinner? Or? Um, I was I was I was having a lot of like meat substitutes, a lot of like yeah. beans and pulses. Um, and but that that's a really good point as well, Shaq, which is that like vegan can still be very unhealthy if you're just eating yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, cake and stuff. There's loads of people that become vegan and then just gain tons of weight. This was back in the day before it was cool to be. <laughs> there was no... Um, trendsetter. Yeah. Yeah. Too early though, too early. <laughs> <laughs> Original vegan. But I think the um, question, well, the, your question about sort of convenience and Amazon, that leads us on quite nicely to some of the questions that some of our audience have, have submitted. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously... Just been Black Friday and Cyber Monday, a lot of deals to be had, got Christmas coming up. So someone has messaged in asking, um, should they enjoy Christmas to the fullest or should they be saving? So I think it's, they've probably gone for the two extremes there. Yeah. Um, my initial reaction would be, well, you can you can do both. You can do both. Um, sorry, Timmy, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, the, I guess the it's a good question. Um, I think... In there is a presupposition that enjoyment equals spending money. Yeah, um, spending all your money, spending, yeah. <laughs> just liquidating your uh, all your funds. Um, when uh, I'm sure for for many people, Christmas is just about spending time with family. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. And also, like it, you don't, and as Shaq touched on earlier, you don't have to do one or the other. I think a level a level of preparedness means that you can do both with balance. Um, but I feel like, do you think people feel the pressure to like? buy loads of gifts and spend loads on gifts and um, feel like otherwise they're 
they won't be able to sort of like yeah definitely i think christmas has been commercialized so much now um like not just with gifts but then also like all the different food that you can get and you know how an extravagant a christmas meal can you have and then yeah that's amplified by social media and being able to post all of your presents all the food that you're having i think people do feel a bit of a pressure that they need to be they need to be impressing someone when really that's not what Christmas is yeah. about. I, it's the adverts as well. Like I was yeah, watching one advert the other day. I had to draw for the Kleenex. I was like, <laughs> you guys want my money, man. Yeah. Uh, John Lewis, uh, they haven't released their advert yet, have they? No, they have. You've not seen it? No. It must yeah, be crap no, this it's, year. Um, it's a good one, actually. I, I enjoyed it. It's quite funny because they had a... So the young boy in it, he's black. And then the alien who's come uh, to earth is like a white girl. So obviously you've got all of the Brexit. That's, from, being like, that's from last year. Is it? I'm sure that's from last year. I can't, I don't know. No, I'm pretty sure it's this year. But can really? I ask, can I just like quickly segue real quick? Yeah. Have you guys noticed that um, there are a lot of black and Asian people in your ads? Uh, in, my, in my time online... I I get a lot of black people in my adverts, and I'm not sure whether it's oh, wait, the algorithm yeah, that, or if it's more I think, of a. Di- I think I think it partly because someone or a diversification this is, this is, this is of the funny. talent. This was quite funny. Uh, it might be a bit of both, but I remember. Well, it's not funny, but it is quite funny. Okay. Um, so I remember when. So our our, our friendship group uh, is very mixed. Mm. Um, we have like loads of like black mixed race friends, um, and do you remember when people were talking about what their next Netflix screen looks like? Yeah, yeah. no, that's a that's an actual thing. I've watched, um, I think I watched an explained, not an explained, but a Vox video on that. Yeah, and the, so so the screen grabs for the same shows will be a black family, for example, if if they if the algorithm has logged you as being a black person, yeah, or an Asian character, one Asian character who's in there for like three minutes of the whole series, and there'll be like the poster of of the. Um, advert. Yeah, there was a lot of controversy about it because, like Neil said, they would take a screen grab of a character that's barely in it. They literally could be in a film for 30 seconds and they're putting that as like the the main picture on Netflix. To entice you. Yeah, getting people to watch the show and then they're watching it like, hold on, this isn't the sort of vibe that I was after. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's just been something interesting that um, that I've noticed. I just need to check in with you. But but adverts like Pup, what I perceive to be um, nationwide adverts like Tesco and um, all of these other big companies, they've definitely diversified their... The people around the table are... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people got really group. pissed off when there was that Muslim family. Yeah, much uh, on to the, the disdain of, of a lot of the uh, British viewing public. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of the big supermarket stuff are making more of an effort to not just have, have white people in their ads. Yeah. Yeah, interesting point. So did any of you make any big Black Friday purchases? I didn't. Um, yeah, this year I just didn't get caught up in it. I I did buy some gym gear, which Shaq is wearing as well from the same place. I bought some Gymshark stuff. Gymshark, if you'd like to sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Timmy? Any big purchases? It's difficult to know if this counts as Black Friday because the deals kind of run all month long. So I didn't buy anything on the Friday of, but I did join Smart um, Smartwatch Gang. Oh, right. Yeah. Where is it? Jeez. Okay. Um and it's uh yeah, I don't think I can go back. Yeah, I do I do enjoy it to be fair. It, it is like when I first got it, I was like, it doesn't 
I thought I was going to be a spy kid, and kind of <laughs> like, like, and in, and in some like in some degrees, I I am. I can take calls from my watch, and I remember when I was young watching Spy Kids, I'd be like, oh my god, imagine being able yeah. to call people on your watch or, or the talk, the talk boy watch from Home Alone. Yeah, one yeah, exactly. But like my usages for it are very simple. But at the same time, I don't I don't think I can go back. Either. My my one, I I had a pretty good fitness band before. Um, it did your sleep steps and notifi- notifications. Um, but I wanted NFC. So I my main use case for upgrading was being able to pay for like the tube and the bus and stuff Yeah. Um, using my wrist. And it's really, really convenient. It means I don't need to, if I'm wearing gloves, you take off the gloves and you bring your phone out your pocket and then you do the thing. Now I can just do it with my watch. Would you ever consider like a different um, like wearable payment solution? Like so... Maybe like a ring or don't maybe say chip. Mm-hmm. Don't say microchip. I was going to say microchip. Yeah, like yeah, something no, like chip, in chip me up. Just, just beam me, be me, in, me into the metaverse and just. Oh, yeah. Up. Look, now they're all come around <laughs> to the metaverse. <laughs> See. So, so, would you say your purchase um, was uh, an impulsive one or you would been planning to wait for a good deal? Um, well, I use, uh, use Idealo and Camel, Camel, Camel my online purchases i make sure to run all my online purchases through both um and i'll also check you know like the deals websites the hot uk deals and stuff for people that know about those two platforms idealo is a price comparison site for the online in general so you just put your item in and it will show you where it's cheapest online but also show you the price history um over the past year or so so you can know what the 52 week high or low price was for the item and then camel 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 does the same thing but it's just for, for Amazon. And if you go there and you don't see the price that you want, then you can just put a price alert and then it will send you an email when it when your item drops that price. So I wow. will just, I'll buy things at any point in the year and I'll just run it through those two websites. Yeah. No, that sounds amazing. I'd, I'd never heard of those yeah, before. Yeah. I'll jump on, jump on. I was doing Black Friday all wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> I got a little bit swept up in the hysteria. I, I can't remember if I bought anything last year. I don't think I did. But this year I was like, yeah, I want to like treat myself, buy myself like a nice Christmas present or something. So I literally Googled best Black Friday deals and I was just scrolling through this page. It had like hundreds, if not thousands of deals, but like by different category. I was literally just going through and be like, oh, that looks decent. Like, I might look into that. Wasn't really seeing anything that caught my eye, but then I saw the Dyson yeah, hot yeah. and cold. Did fan. you get it in the end? No, no, so this is the thing. I don't actually want one. I was like, oh, that's like half price. <laughs> so it was like £300. I was like, do I really want one? Yeah. And then I was weighing it up. And then Niaz was, was talking at an event, a panel event last week. And one of the things he spoke about was that the excitement of buying something new. Yeah. And then literally two weeks afterwards, you're like, you've, you've basically forgotten that you brought it. Yeah. It's so weird it to, how that happens. I yeah. applied it to me thinking about buying that fan. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure for the first two weeks I would have loved it. Like, yeah. purifying my air, hot <laughs> air, cold air. But then after that, like, I, I might not even use it. Bro, so. we've actually got one upstairs and it's not even on. Like, it is great. It is good. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like, it's, it's funny you say that. Like, I think I was talking at this event and I was saying that because I, I learned that the anticipation of bu- making a big purchase is the bit that you're excited by. It's not the actual thing that you buy, which quite quickly because of the hedonic principle you quite quickly adjust like to anything anything grand or anything severe that happens in your life humans after a while they they adjust to their new setting and if you apply that to any big spend that you make 
it's the same. Like after a while, the excitement wears off. And not even as long as you think. Like it'll wear off pretty quickly and you're like, oh yeah. No, so I'm, I'm not an expert in you know, n- neuroscience um, by oh, any I stretch. I didn't know but, that about you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the enjoyment is in the, the chase. 100%. Um, and that's very much by design. It's supposed to uh, get uh, you to uh, seek things out. And the marriage. <laughs> and 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 the marriage um but yeah the the, the whole idea is that your, your brain's supposed to motivate you to want to to get things which are going to keep your life food water whatever yeah. um and if when you got stuff you were happy then you would just never seek anything out again so yeah yeah that's very true so do you think it's the fact that it's a big purchase or that you so like the actual like monetary aspect of it, or is it because you think that that item is actually going to bring you a lot of joy or is it a combination of the two? Um, I think it depends on what the item is. Like when, when I, when I bought this watch, I definitely had the feel good. Glow. I still have the feel good glow now, but I had like my big dopamine spike on yeah. the day. The day you bought it or the day it arrived? The day, uh, no, the dopamine started when I hit that order button and I and like was waiting for it to come, that's like the, you get your email yeah. notifications. Um, and for me, I thought it would bring me joy. I thought it would make my life easier and it has done both those things, but it hasn't done it nearly as much as I felt it would when I was waiting for it to arrive. It is just a normal item on my wrist. Now. Um, you might remember I talked about my uh, friend Jordan, um, last on the last episode, yeah. he loves technology. Um, so he actually like was messaging me for ages about his Apple Watch that he was like he was like, oh I'm gonna I'm gonna buy the new Apple Watch. When did he do that? Because I remember him saying oh, I'm not gonna get an Apple Watch. All I need is my sleep and my steps. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so so he ended up he ended up buying the new Apple Watch and he was like doing the classic like sending me snaps of it when it arrived and like when he when he'd purchased it. Um, and then I kid you not, within five days. He returned it. Oh, <laughs> he, he thought it was crap. Like <laughs> he returned it. Obviously, I was there, like gassing him up, like, "Bro, Apple Watch, so sick!" Because like, I'm, I'm bought in. Um, but he returned it. He, like, the excitement was well and truly over after he'd used it for a business week. idea. A shop, so it's like the pound shop, but instead of everything being one pound, you get to keep it for twenty four hours, just so you can feel excited when you buy it, and then you can give it back. You pay a <laughs> fraction of the cost. So what I thought you were gonna say is that business idea. It's a shop and you make really big purchases, but you just never receive the item. <laughs> <laughs> just just waiting in hope and, yeah. and expectation, but it never arrives. That yeah. is so jokes. One more question that I uh, that we got asked that I wanted to sort of touch on this week from the audience. So please, guys, do send us the questions through. We do review them all and we'll try to address them all at some point. Um, any tips for a couple renting together, but not married and currently have separate finances? Well, me and my girlfriend, we don't live together, but we've like discussed what our plan is going to be for when we do live together. And that's going to be to sort of, but well, we're both already very open about our finances anyway. Like mm. we know how much each other run. I don't think it'd be very healthy to keep that from each other. Mm. And I have seen sort of on Instagram before about, I've been with my boyfriend five years and I still don't know how much he earns. Yeah. I find that crazy. But what our plan is going to be is that we will like make a spreadsheet of how much we earn um, and then put money into like a joint account which will be like weighted depending on how much we earn. So if one of us earns slightly more, we'll put slightly more in. 
And then for joint things, we'll spend out of that pot and then we'll still have our own money as well. Yeah. So I've also heard instances of people, they just put all of their money into one pot and then yeah. they're expected to just sort of yeah. all live from that. Yeah. Um, is the question asking in the sense of uh, like, how do you start to unify your finances? I guess so. it was more open-ended. It was yeah, just sort yeah. of like, how do you manage um, that? Well, me and my now wife, we started off with just like takeaways. So that was definitely something that we used to do together before we would um, split. We pay on two different cards and then we opened a joint account and then we were like, okay, whenever we eat out, rather than bring out a card and then da, 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 we'll just pay on the one card. And then naturally the other things that we did that we both used um, made it onto that list. So it was like bills and oh, subscriptions nice. and then it just organically grew over time. I think that the the one account to rule them all strategy is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Personally, personally, I, I'm not saying that you couldn't make it work. What we do is we have our joint account. When we get paid, we fund that kind of on or immediately after payday. And then on the first day of the next month, that account pays for all of our bills. Yeah. And it spits back out a pocket money amount to both of our personal accounts. And then that's what we get to spend for the rest of the month. Yeah. And um, that works really, really well. I've never gone over my monthly allowance, really. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's probably no hard and fast rule. And it's going to be dependent on the people in the couple and what your yeah. relationship dyna di oh, dynamic is like. Yeah. I think the key thing is to be very open about it. Definitely. It's going to be one of those things that if you're sort of shying away from the conversation, that's ultimately going to lead to bad, bad energy, toxicity yeah. between the both of you. One of the leading um, causes of relationship breakdown is finances. Yeah, absolutely. Of divorce as well. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I remember I used to think um, th the concept of combining all of your money was so ridiculous to me. I, I still don't buy into it completely. Um, but then one of the happiest like couples that I've ever seen, I've been married for over 20 years, um, they were like, every penny of mine is yours and every penny of yours is mine. Um, it does come with like its logistical bumps. Like um, I know like when they tried to organize surprises for each other, they'd have to like use other people's money and whatever. But like it obviously really worked for them. Um, I find that really alien because obviously the way I was brought up, like it, it was very different to that. Um, but I think it's somewhere in the middle. But I think that that kind of is what marriage is like. You're view, you're viewed as one, yeah, absolutely legal entity. There's a really fascinating page on Citizens Advice website about the difference between cohabiting and being married. Um, there's a couple corkers in there, like one, just things I just didn't realize. Like one of the, one of the um, things on there is that you have a legal duty to support your spouse financially if you're married and they can take you to court if you don't really yeah well wow. um and all of the i mean this is like a whole other episode's worth of conversation but yeah. like the marriage stuff gets overshadowed by the wedding day yeah so the venue and the food and the dress and stuff but there's this whole like legal um financial kind of union that takes place mm. um and it's a super huge commitment. You know, if you get married at our age, that'll be longer than any mortgage you take out, any kind of other commitment you'd 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 make. But um, yeah, I think that's a conversation best saved for another day. Yeah, yeah, really interesting one. Um, that probably does lead us quite nicely to a close um, for this week. Um, but it is very much 
the festive countdown now, which is frightening still for me because everything's so busy. I feel like we've got so much to do still. But we do this week have Stushmas coming up, our annual event that I was telling you about. Um, and it's so funny because obviously we can say his name because Shaq dropped his name last time. Um, we were all discussing in the group where the people had sorted out their secret Santa gifts. Um, and guess who hasn't yet? <laughs> Literally two days before the event and, and they haven't even, they hadn't even checked who their secret Santa was. So so we'll, I wonder if someone else's clothes will be being gifted back <laughs> to them again this year. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's very much countdown uh, to the holiday season. Um which is always a really nice time to sort of unwind and just spend with the people that you love, which I'm really looking forward to, but I'm also still at the period where I'm like, I've got so much to do before then, um, but also excited for it in equal measure. Yeah, always uh, an enjoyable time of the year. Yeah, for sure, man. Do you, you, Shaq McGee, have any loose change this week? Yeah, I mean, it's not really like a tip. It's more of just a statement. But I think that, one of the best desserts that you can have, not necessarily my favorite, but one of the best desserts you can have is like apple crumble, but <laughs> without the actual apple bit. So literally just the crumble. <laughs> just, just biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 hear me out. So, <laughs> you're laughing at me like I'm crazy, but I know where the people back this. So you, next just year I'm going to release... It's a apple crumble without the apple, just that crumble apple crumble. Have that with a bit of ice cream, bit of custard, okay, biscuit and custard. <laughs> Honestly, if you haven't tried it, try that over the festive period. Oh. What about you, Timmy? Any loose change this week? I don't know if I can top that. <laughs> um, I was listening to a. Uh, have you guys heard of um, Matthew Walker? The yeah, sleep the sleep. Expert. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he said something really interesting about um, caffeine that's going to make me rethink my coffee use. Um, yeah. If you have caffeine, like it's still a quarter of the caffeine you consume, I hope this is the correct stat, will be in your system um, up to 12 hours later. So the half-life is 12 hours? I think I think the, qu- the quarter life is oh, is 12 it? hours, yeah. Oh, okay. Or, or the way it sort of like calculates mm. is that it's in your system still. Yeah, so a really simple rule... And then it, it causes like a, a a cycle of, so you've got caffeine in your system, so your sleep is less deep, mm. so you wake up feeling more tired, and you're like, oh, you know what fixes tiredness? More caffeine, caffeine and yeah. then it just creates a downward spiral. But a really easy way to break this is to adopt the no caffeine afternoon mm. principle. So if you have your coffees early, by the time it gets to nighttime, um, then you should be yeah good to go and it's really like key for me at this time of year i'm very i must have seasonal affective disorder because once i I get down in the winter and my Mm. energy levels drop multivitamins have definitely helped going outside has definitely helped um so i'm really thinking about like healthy sleep this time of year i think you should definitely give it a go so i stopped drinking coffee just over three years ago okay and once you get over the initial um like period of trying to like break through it, you do definitely start feeling a lot less tired. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. Balance. Thank you. So um, I'll drink all the coffee that you stopped drinking <laughs> because I, I just think I got to a point where I was like, yeah, and, and, I, and I've been brought into, so I've known about Matthew Walker for a long time. Um, I think I listened to his Rogan podcast about four years ago and, okay. and then read his book. Um, but yeah, it's quite scary. 
And um, my cousin's actually a super sensitive sleeper as well. Like if he has tea at midday, he can't sleep the night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's mental. And it does, it does really affect your sleep. But there's other habits that I've sort of like uh, adopted now, which mean that I'm super tired by the time it gets to, I don't know, my bedtime. Um, and that's been the big change for me this year, uh, which I'm sure we're going to we'll touch on when we do our year in review, um, is adopting a morning routine. Um, oh, right. And so I wake up really early now um, and I give myself a few hours before having to succumb to the world. Um, and it's for my wellness and everything. And I'll, and I'll jump into it in a bit more detail another time. It's done wonders. What time do you wake up? So I, I, I go with the sun, but I did start at five. Okay, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because it changes because we're, um, uh, what is it? It's our nat natural circadian rhythm to follow the sun. Um, and, yeah, now that it's getting darker and colder, it is becoming a bit harder, but I can wake up a lot later. But when I started, I was getting up at five. And so what time, sorry, sorry to keep uh, jumping and just, uh, what, what time are you sleeping to? Yeah. So if you wake, wake up, up at five, five, you're knackered by 1030, even if you've had coffees. Right, right, right. And right, right. you're so tired that the, the impact of the coffee, um, I've forgotten the chemical that it, uh, disrupts, but it, Melatonin. Yeah. I think melatonin is the thing that makes you tired. All oh, right. But there's, um, there's something else that it disrupts or it might be melatonin, um, that you're so tired anyway that you fall asleep. Uh, a lot quicker because I used to notoriously be a bad sleeper. I used to be up for hours. Um, so I think adopting a morning routine has really helped with that. And I can still have my coffee. But yeah, my loose change would, I think, uh, probably be like, think about like changing your morning routines because I think the mornings are super powerful. And I don't say that in a really Americanized, become a billionaire morning type way. It's the rudder <laughs> of the day. <laughs> um, but there is, there is something about your brain and the alertness of your brain in the mornings. Um, and I think a lot of it is the fact that you're giving yourself some time before you give your time up again, coming back to the whole time, um, element, uh, with this whole episode is, is psychologically giving yourself some time before you're giving it away or it's being bought from you, um, is very liberating. Um, and when you're up early and your phone's not like buzzing, like there's not loads of people like trying to get a hold of you, it is a really nice time to have to yourself. Yeah. Um, one of the best time management books I've ever read is uh, Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And um, yeah, I really like that idea of getting up and just doing your most important task first. So yeah, just the most just, difficult one. Yeah. Because then everything done. else you ease into. Yeah, right? yeah. You've, yeah. Won, you've won the day from the, from the beginning. Yeah. Um, I heard something about that recently. But yeah, man. Thanks for listening. This has been the Loose Change Pod. Give us a follow on Instagram at Loose Change Pod. And you can also give us a follow at Millennial Money UK and at Mr. Money Jar. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers, guys. Peace.